by just looking at it. You know, and the, I know the bills keep coming in. You keep looking at the bank account. But why don't we just not focus on what we see and focus on what he says? You know what that is? It's faith. You can't please God without faith. You know, it doesn't take faith to leave church and go to McDonald's and get a burger because we got the means to do it. But when we look at impossible situations, it causes us to activate our faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. I know it ain't even my message. I better get started. But, but some of you got to activate your faith today. You've been looking too much at the natural. And God says, stop looking at the natural and start believing what I say about you and about your situation and about everything that you're going through. You know, when the storms were raising, they looked at the waves too much. Jesus was in the boat with them. Jesus is in the boat with you. Stop looking at everything around you. Start focusing on him and just know that he's with you. That's good. That's better preaching than I'm getting amen in for. In, in the book of Mark, chapter 6, we're going to get started. You know what's, what's the danger about getting a message like three weeks before you preach? It's very dangerous because you, you got to almost leave it alone. You know, like you put it in the crock pot and you just, okay, let it, let it just... Let it stay warm, but don't go dig in it because, you know, I, what this has caused me to do is I actually have a six-part message now on the five-fold ministry because I just kept going, look at it, and more stuff kept popping out. But how many of you know that, that we need the five-fold ministry back in the church today? We, we need the apostle and the prophet back in the church today. The Bible says that that is the foundation of the church. It was established on the apostle and the prophet with Jesus as the cornerstone that ties the fivefold ministry in together. But today there's a lot of churches who say there's no more apostles and no more prophets. And we wonder why churches are dead today. You want to see miracles come back to the church? Begin to establish the fivefold ministry like God designed for it to be and watch what he's going to do. But you know, today, today, you know, the, the board has taken over the apostles' job. Now the board governs the church. Who this same? I could preach it here because you, you're going to let me back. I, I'll say this in some other churches. They'd be like, you ain't coming back. But the board is never meant to run the church. God had put an apostle to govern that which God has established. I have, look, I have Pastor Scott and Pastor Islands on my presbytery board. They are. I have everyone on my board as part of the five-fold ministry. Why? Because it keeps me accountable to them. Why, why do I have to be accountable? Because anytime my character is at flaw, they're going to pull me aside and say, hey, your, your gift could only carry you so far, but your character is what's going to take you home. That, that's why we need, I, I better get into it. I better go. What, what, what is ministry? All ministry is is acts of service. You know, today we have a lot of people who's in ministry that thinks they're rock stars. And ministry is far beyond just breaking the bread over the pulpit. Ministry is acts of service. And, and, and when you look at it, people has taken missionaries and put them up with the five-fold ministry, not realizing that every single person sitting in this room today is a missionary. All a missionary is is someone launched out, someone sent like a rocket, like a bullet, to a certain place in a certain location. That could be the job you want. 
That, that could be wherever you are tomorrow. Go and get your groceries at Walmart. You're a missionary sent to a place and a location like a rocket sent out to someone who's lost. How many of you know that, that there's a lost and dying world out there that's going to hell? And, and in Mark 6, verse 30, it says, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come aside by yourself to a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going and did, did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departed, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came to gather to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But he answered to them and said, you give them something to eat. Well, this is going to be good. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii of bread and give them something to eat? Boy, they were looking in the bank account and saying, we, we can't do this. Just send them away. But he said unto them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five loaves and two fishes. Then he commanded them to all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks of hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven. He blessed it. He broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up the twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fish. Now those that had eaten the loaves were about five thousand men. Father, I thank you for this word. Father, Lord, I ask that you would just let me die today so you can come forth, Lord God. Hide me behind your cross, Lord God. I would only speak what you would want me to speak from your throne room. I pray that you anoint each ear, each heart to receive the seed of your word, that it may be planted and bring forth fruit and fruit that remain. And Satan, the blood of Jesus against you from distracting anyone from receiving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, so we see here that, that there's a problem. You know, if, I, if one of the things, the first thing in ministry on your sheet is ministry is accountability. Ministry is being accountable. And, and what, the disciples came and told Jesus everything they'd done and everything they said. In other words, they were accountable to somebody. And you know, you got a lot of people today that want to be in ministry but don't want to be accountable to anybody. They want to do their own thing. That a lot of people want to go to church but not be accountable to the pastor for their lives. Whoo, it's quiet in here today. You know, and, and but the thing is, accountability keeps our character where it should be, and it keeps us in line with what God wants for our life. 
You know what the worst thing for a pastor is, is someone to get saved, come to the Lord, and you see him for a few weeks, then you don't see him anymore. And what happens is a lot of times people don't want him to get too close to them because they're going to start knowing the little faults and failures that they have, and they might be a little bit embarrassed. Let me tell you something about Pastor Scott, because I know this man. I don't care what hiccup you have in life. I don't care what you're dealing with. He will not judge you. He will pray for you. He will help you. He will guide you in what God wants for your life. We all have to be accountable to somebody. We all have to be accountable. You know, when, when I was accountable to one pastor for 47 years, and when, when I left that church, it's not like I went on my own and there's no more accountability in my life. I'm accountable to, to uh, spiritual fathers that I have in my ministry. I'm accountable to Pastor Island, to Pastor Scott. I would never cross the five-fold ministry. Why? Because I'm in subjection to what God called them to do. And they're in subjection to what God called me to do. And they come out to my outreaches. By the way, we, we had a wonderful time yesterday. I got the numbers, and we're about 520 souls this year for the kingdom. For the kingdom of God. 520 souls. Last year, all of last year, we won a little over 400. And, and what, it, what I'm saying is, is that there has to be accountability we, I got to move on because there's 10 points. I can't, I can't, if I spend 10 minutes on each point, we'll be here till two. So we, we got to be accountable. Now, also number two, ministry is work. I just said a four-letter cuss word. <laughs> ministry is work. You say, well, why is ministry work? Well, let's just look at the pastor. You want to know why ministry is work as a pastor? Because people's always changing their minds. People's always changing. And, and, and he's probably wondering, why don't I have a psychology degree? Because I'm dealing with a bunch of schizophrenia people, bipolar people. One day they want the color, mar the carpet maroon. The next day they want it blue. The next day they want it red. And it's the same person. People's always changing, which makes ministry work. You know, sometimes people have a good job and all of a sudden they get laid off and they haven't been working for six months and they've been coming to this church for a while. And now we have to do something as a church to help these people. It's work. I mean, you know, I, I did a funeral this week. It wasn't a good funeral. No funerals are good. But I told my son, I said, son, you know, you want to come help me? I can't stand funerals. I, I don't like funerals. I said, you think I like doing funerals? You know, they used to call me the funeral guy because everybody, I would do everybody's funeral. But I don't enjoy doing funerals as the calling God gave to me to, to, to touch people and reach people, and it's part of the call. You know, sometimes we got to do things that's just uncomfortable. I don't like getting phone calls at 2 o'clock in the morning that someone's out of control and they, they're calling me to go help. You know, Pastor Allen was telling me one time, he was pastor and he was the sheriff, he was the doctor, he was, he was everything that, that, that he can be in that church, and they called him for everything. And he had to stop fights and, and all kind of stuff going on. We'll call the pastor. Ministry is work. When we go do these outreaches, last Saturday we fed almost 300 people. You know it's crazy? We fixed enough food for 250 people, and we fed almost 300, and we brought home leftovers. I don't know how that happened, but it happened. You know, God multiplied it. He, he knew. 
You know, but, but let me tell you, that's worse. Someone like me cannot do that all alone. We, we need a team of people that's going to feel the call of God to come and some to help cook, some to help serve, some to help keep things under control. Ministries work. It's work because people are always changing. Things are always moving. You know, uh, also ministry is everywhere. Number three, ministry is everywhere. You know, the, the pulpit's only one part of the ministry. What happens in the four walls of the church should be happening outside the four walls of the church. What we do in here should actually be happening out there. You know, it says, so they've departed to a desert place in a boat by themselves in verse 32. But the multitude saw them departing and many knew him and ran on foot and arrived before them. Think about this. They were going to rest. Because, in fact, John the Baptist was just beheaded. Jesus was dealing with some issues. Disciples came and said, man, y'all been ministering. Y'all haven't eaten. Let's just go and get away. And they show up and see all these people. Imagine if I was to take my little vacation, me and the wife, and we show up in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and open up the cabin, and I open it up, and it's a bunch of people waiting for me to minister to them. What would my reaction be at that point in time? Would I just say, man, what are y'all doing? You know, go to church. Ministry's everywhere. It's not only inside the church. It's everywhere. You know, a lot of people's always looking for ministry. Can I tell you something? Ministry's always looking for me. A lot of people's looking to fill their calendar. Calendar's always looking for me. Why? Because I'm a need filler. If you're a need filler, ministry's going to find you. Why? Because opposites attract. Opposites attract. You know, I would have never married my wife if she looked like me. <laughs> Opposites attract. You know, uh, you know who goes to the doctor? Those who are sick. You know, I'm not going to go in, in Dr. Brian's office and sit down and say, what you doing here, Jerry? I just came to talk with you, man. Well, well, what, what's wrong with your teeth? Nothing. I have no cavities. I, you know, everything's pretty. Everything's good. No, opposites attract. People who go to him need what he can give them. In ministry, are you a need filler? Are you a need filler? Do you see a need and fill the need? <laughs> you know, people were attracted to Jesus because he was a need filler. He met the need. You know, when, when you're looking for ministry, you in need on a hunt. You in need on a hunt. You see, sick want to hang around with sick. Poor want to hang around with poor. Why? Because they can relate to each other. You know, you, 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 you meet someone that, that uh, you know, has ailments. What's the first thing you do? Oh, you know what's wrong with me? And now you just start hanging together. And sick people just start hanging around sick people. Broke people just start hanging around broke people. Meth addicts start hanging around meth addicts. Why? Because they got something in common. But when you're a need filler and they know that you can take care of the need they have, you know what happens to your life? It gets turned upside down because now all you're living for is to set someone free. All you're living for is to, to look at somebody's life and say, I know you're on your way to hell, but let me just share the good news with you. 
You're a need filler. Now no longer is the calendar looking for you and you looking for, people are finding who you are. Imagine if you got the gift of healing and some of you do in here. This church is a healing church. But some of you haven't been operating in the gift God's given you. Some of you just been laid back a little bit. But imagine you lay hands on someone and they're healed and the word gets out in the community. Maybe that's why you're not laying hands on people because you're too comfortable in your own life and you don't want to do what God truly called you to do. We all have a gift. Everybody has a gift that they can use for God. But you see, number four, ministry is heartfelt. Heartfelt. And Jesus, in verse 34, when he came out, saw a great multitude, was moved with compassion because they were like sheep having no shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. You know, do you look at people as a sheep with no shepherd or do you look at them as a problem? Imagine if we looked at every person that was not saved as just a sheep without a shepherd. Would we treat them different? Would we do things a little bit different? Instead of seeing them as a problem. Imagine if you saw that neighbor that's always bugging you as a sheep with no shepherd instead of the problem that's always bugging you. See, what the three things Jesus did is he saw. You have to have eyes to see. You know, when God reveals something to you to see it, that means it's on your lap to fill the need that he revealed to you. You know, if, if you see somebody's hungry and all you do is say, man, I see you hungry. I'm going to pray God send some food to you. And I walk away and say, I'm praying for you. Man, what good did that do him? He's going to stay hungry because God revealed it to me. Well, if he revealed it to me, I guess I better go get him some food. I guess I better get him something to eat. I guess I better take care of what God's revealed to me. You got to have vision. Also, Jesus sorrowed with compassion. Compassion is to enter the suffering of another from a spiritual standpoint. You feel what they're going through. You won't always relate physically with what they're going through, but spiritually you can. You know, when, when you lose your passion with God, you lose compassion for people. And maybe you don't have compassion for people because the relationship that you should have with God is not like it should be. And, and, but there's no better time than now to get it right. As long as you're breathing, you can always get it right with God. You can always repent. You can always ask him to, to give you another chance. Always. Always. I, I do it every week. God, I'm sorry. Uh, forgive me. Let, give me another opportunity. You know, after we had the outreach, the Tuesday, we all got together and we said, what did we do right and what did we do wrong? Why? Because there's always room for improvement in your life, in our ministry, as a, as a, as a church, as, as pastors, as evangelists, as everybody can improve. But what are we doing to improve it? I mean, if you ask anyone, they say, man, that was a knockout the park. But you know we had a list of negatives that were there for the outreach? Well, why do we have all these negatives on the list? Because now we know our weaknesses and where to address them and where to, 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 to strengthen that area that's weak. Some of you personally have weak areas in your life, but the problem is you're not addressing it to the pastor. You're not addressing it to, to bring it out in the open so we can help strengthen that which weakens you. 
You want to keep it as your little secret, your little cover-up, but that's what keeps you from doing what Jesus called you to do. It's time you begin to expose your weaknesses, confess your faults one to another so we can pray for you and strengthen that which is weak. Look, when nobody's walking around with a baseball bat waiting to beat you up, because we all have weaknesses. We all do. Ministry is, is, is any time. Also, um, Jesus served by teaching the people many things. You know, we can serve without love, but you can't love without serving. You cannot. You cannot. Number five, ministry is any time. Okay, we're doing good. Doing good. When the, in verse 35, when the day was not now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Think about this. They're attempting to stop Jesus from ministering. They're attempting to stop Jesus from ministering. They thought the service had went on for too long. Some of you, when it gets 11 o'clock, you start getting nervous. <laughs> this went on all day long. He taught them. You know, he, he saw them as sheep without a shepherd, so he began teaching them. What do you think Jesus was teaching them? I believe he was discipling them. I believe he was teaching them the ways of the master and, 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 and just pouring into them. And the disciples were just there hanging around. They, they probably heard everything that Jesus already said. And you're probably saying, Pastor Scott, we heard that message before. We already heard all this. But they hung in there. They stayed all day long with him. But now it was too long. Look, we came here to rest to begin with. Okay? We done taught them all day long. Send them home. Send them out of here. Send them. Leave them. Do you know this is Jesus' first big outreach? His first big outreach. And the disciples had enough. They're like, send them home. Do away with this. It's too expensive. Let someone else take care of them. One o'clock in the morning, a phone rings. Someone just took their life. Well, call someone else. No, they called you. They called you to get out of bed and go. Well, well let me find a, a pastor. Let me find an evangelist. No, they called you. Do you know you're the hands and feet of Jesus? And, and all the five-fold ministry is there for us to equip you to do what Jesus did. So stop looking at the five-fold ministry like we're supposed to do everything and you do nothing but sit and receive. <laughs> you know why the Dead Sea is dead? Do you know why? The Jordan River runs into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is dead because it has no outlet. All it does is receive, 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 and never gets out. If all you do in, in the Christian life is receive, 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 and you never give out, you're going to be like the Dead Sea, full of salt but dead. Well, that's hard. I know. I just stepped on my own toe. I, my own toe hurts on that one. I should have wore steel toe boots instead of tennis shoes. But it's the truth. We, we can't just be an inlet and all we do is receive and never give out. That's not what God called you to do. It's to be a spiritual couch potato. Let's see what we're going to preach next. Whoo, that's good. Can't wait for that ragu patat tonight. 
Ministry number six is personal. It's personal. But he said to them in verse 37, you give them something to eat. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm not Jesus. How can I feed them? You're the miracle maker. We just follow you. Did you hear me? You give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when he found out, they said, five loaves and two fishes. Just send them to somebody else and let them mess with them. Ministry is inconvenience. It's never convenient to sit down and help someone. Think about it. Phone call rings. Pastor Scott, I got a flat on the highway. It's 100 degrees. We'll call the fire department. If they don't have a call, they'll go help you. A lot of you didn't know that. Huh? But, but uh, it's always inconvenient. Why? Because it stops you from doing what you're doing for you to go help someone else for them. That's just not convenient. It's not. We, we used to do it for ourselves. <laughs> it should not be how much it is going to cost, but who is it going to help should be the question. And if we're going to help a sinner, we better get off of our and go. If it's going to help somebody that's on their way to hell, we, we better go and, and try and be the best Jesus we can be for them because Jesus ain't coming back and do it. He's called you to do it. So you be the best Jesus you can be for that person you're going to help. So they might say, why did you come help me? And then you effectively share the gospel with that person. And give them an opportunity to receive eternal life. The, the reason we feed the people we feed, the reason we give what we give to the people, the reason we do everything we do is not so somebody can come and pat me on the back and say, boy, you got a place in heaven. No, it's not that at all. It's because somebody's on their way to hell and what we do can bring them to heaven. That's the only reason we do what we do. You, you can ask everybody at the outreach, they come and they all this, and I, I don't care about the food, I don't care about the music, I don't, what my responsibility is, is I care about this word going forth, piercing someone's heart that is stone, and God turning it to flesh. Now I'm excited. That gets me excited. That, that turns me on. It's not the jambalaya, it's not the crop, it's not everything we, no, it's somebody that's weeping before God and he's changing their heart right in the instant. The greatest miracle of all is to take a heart of stone and watch it be turned into the heart of flesh. Only God can do something like that. I can't do it. His word can, but I can't. I'm just a messenger. But you know what we'd rather do? We'd rather talk about our rights as a Christian than our responsibilities. Let me say it again. You'd rather talk about your rights as a Christian than your responsibilities as a Christian. Imagine if you go to work and all you talk about is your 401k, all the rights you got, but you never have any responsibilities to earn those rights. Would you, would you be a good worker? Well, evaluate yourself right here today. Are you acting in according with the responsibility God gave you to the gospel? Don't shoot me, I'm just the mailman. I mean, you ain't going to beat the mailman up tomorrow when he brings you the light and gas bill and whatever other bills you got. Take, take it up with the light company. 
You know, if, if they overcharged you for your light bill, you going after the mailman? No, well, don't go after me. I'm just his messenger, that's all. I'm just delivering the mail he told me to give you. I love you. I really do. I really do. Sometimes what he gives me is hard. But you know what? I think it's to shake you up at your core and say, am I doing everything God called me to do? Am I even saved? Do I just come here because I got a religion? You know, maybe some of you really need to get saved. Some of you really need to repent and say, I, I, okay, I'm going to do what you called me to do. Because I, I see things going on. I don't say much, but I see. And God says it's time that we stop playing games. If we call ourselves a Christian, then let's be what he called us to be. All right, number seven. That was hard, I know. Three more to go. And look, it's only 10.53. We're doing good. We might even have an altar call. No, we will. We will. Ministry is giving. Oh, God, I said another cuss word. <laughs> giving. I said, man, you never talk about giving. I don't. But he told me to. But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when he found them, they said five loaves and two fish. Take inventory of what you got. You know, a lot of you don't take inventory of what you got. I want to let you know something. God wants it all. He wants it all. We, we, we tell God that all the time. Everything's yours, God. It's all yours. You know, why, why would I just say here, take 10% and leave me the 90? No, God, you get the 100 and you manage it all. You tell me where to go with everything that I, I need to do with my finances. And you know what? Since I've given God the hundred, I don't give everything we got. You know, of course, we wouldn't, we'd be too new. We wouldn't have nothing to wear. We wouldn't have nothing to eat. I wouldn't be this big, we, you know. But, but what I'm saying is, I say, God, this is yours. You know, you've given it to me, but I turn it back over to you. And do you know, since we've been doing that and God's been, been uh, uh, graciously blessing us to feed people and, and we have connections in Tennessee where we get all we need for Section 8 housing, and, and everything we do, I mean, God's just been giving. He's, he's, we, we, our biggest issue was a storage place, and somebody just gave me a 40-foot pod, a stainless steel pod. And then three weeks ago, somebody gave me a 40-foot medical bus, diesel engine, 60-something thousand miles. We're going to pick it up next week and, and just to haul supplies around. What I'm saying is when you give everything to God, he's going to give in return to you to meet the needs of those he's called you to meet. It's only God that can do what he does. You know, and, and, and what happens is, is that we just want to give God a, a nickel or a penny, and then we take everything and do what we want to do as we do. You know, the, the hardest thing to give up as a believer is your finances in the kingdom of God. He doesn't call for you to give everything. He just wants to know, you willing? are you willing to give everything? Are you willing? Like the rich young ruler who followed all the commandments, did everything he should, was, was a, a model citizen, a model person that followed the law, but the one thing he couldn't do was sell his possessions and give to the poor. God's not calling you to do that. Maybe he is, but I believe he just wants to know, are you willing to do it? If I told you to give $1,000, are you willing? If I told you to do this, are you willing? That's all God wants to know. Do I have all of you? And when he has your pocketbook, you know what, baby? He has all of you. That, you know, you know you, when your wife got you, right? She got your pocketbook. 
I mean, you and Fouchon working, and, and all of a sudden you get notices on your phone. Oh, she's at Walmart. Oh, she's at stage. Oh, she's over here. We, we give her the right to do it, but we don't, God, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to control this, God. But you let your wife do what she wants to do with it. Oh, I better stop. I'm meddling now, I'm meddling now, I'm meddling now. I better stop. Whew. He's going to let me back. Nobody's going to show up. <laughs> he said, yeah, you could preach again, but good luck with an offering. No. <laughs> Number eight, ministry is unifying. Verse 39, then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass and said, and they sat down in ranks of hundreds, fifties, and when they had taken the five loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven, blessed it and broke it, and he gave it to the disciples to set before them, and the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. Don't allow your lack of resources to stop you. Because you know what happens when you give it to God. And, and notice how he had order. I believe a church service should have order. I, I, you know, I, I, I've been to some church services where, man, it was so, so disorganized. You had people running the pew. You had people rolling here. You had this one prophesying, that one speaking. I mean, it was just, it was like craziness. And, and I believe God has order. He sets everything in order. I don't believe in chaos and disorder. And he set them with that many people, he sat them and he ordered it all. Imagine that, 5,000 men not counting the women and children. Okay? So they did inventory of everything and all they brought was the loaves and the fishes. Enough to feed barely two or three people, probably one Cajun. Think about it. One Cajun would have scarfed that down and said, okay, what's next? Where's dessert? But they gave it to Jesus, and he'd done something that was awesome. He, he took it, and he broke it, and then he blessed it. See, see, when you give everything to God, when you say, God, you have my whole life, including my checkbook, including my wife, including my family, including it all, what he does is the first thing he does, he takes it, and he breaks it. You know, you might say, God, since I've given you my kids, they're, they're broken. They're going more work. Since I gave you my bank account, it seems everything's crazier. God is breaking it to bless it. And, and once God breaks it, he's breaking you and everything the flesh is, and then he's going to begin to bless it. And what did he do? He said, now you go feed them. He turned the responsibility over to the disciples to meet the needs of the people. And I think what, what we lack as a church in, in a whole, not this church, in a whole is we lacking people who's willing to be broken, to be used by God in any capacity that he needs to be used. No matter what it is. No matter what it is. You know, we, we invite everybody to come help at the outreaches. There's no one we want to leave out. But not everyone comes. You know, we went help a church yesterday that's done it for the very first. We went to show a church how to do it. A church in Homa that's, that's willing to reach Homa and do what we're doing in Lafouche. And they were willing to do it. And do you know that, that they were nervous? They were a little scared? They, 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 they were people that had never done it. You could see the nervousness on them. But once they seen like it was nothing, they're like, this is it? This is what y'all do? Yeah, you just feed people and pray for them. They're like, oh, we could do that. 
But to the, the thought of going outside the four walls is scary. The thought of going to a place that no one knows you to go share the gospel with them and feed them, it is scary. But guess what? When you let God break you and bless you, he gives you the boldness to do what he called you to do. He gives you that boldness to share, that boldness to, you know, there's some of you going to be at the store tomorrow, and there's some people in that store who need the gospel. Are you mindful of what they need? Or are you just looking at that list? I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that. You know, God it, it wants to manifest his blessings upon you. He wants to be your El Shaddai. He wants to be Jehovah Jireh, your provider. He wants to be everything you need for him, but you got to be his completely. It's, you know what it's called? Surrender. Surrender. You know when there's a war going on and all of a sudden the, the general raises up that white flag? You know what that means? He surrenders his rights to that army and their rules, their regulation, their laws, everything they, they thought might have been right, it don't matter. They're theirs. It's time we as, as fleshly people, as people, as human beings, raise up the white flag into heaven and say, God, everything I am, I surrender to you. Use me as you will. But you know what? That takes trust. And some people have trust issues. God, i got to move on because I can't get caught here. But when, when, I want to let you know, you can trust God. You can trust God. But you say, man, I, last time I got broken, you were fixing to get blessed and you pulled out. The broken's the beginning part. He was fixing to bless you and you just pulled out at the last minute and you stayed broken instead of receiving the blessing. Broken's part of it. I mean, in this life, ye shall be broken. Ye shall be broken. But God's with you. Don't give up on the process. Everyone has to go through a process in life. When you become his child, he has to know he can trust you. Number nine, ministry is satisfying. And they were filled. How many people who are in ministry and are not satisfied? You know what the miracle was? The miracle was that many people all filled and satisfied. Can you imagine? You can't even get a church of 80 people to be all satisfied, all filled. Much less that many people. All filled and all satisfied. Why? Because they were unified. They were unified. It's time we come as a body together and unify for the kingdom cause. For the kingdom cause. For the kingdom cause. Unity. You, you know what really needs unity? And y'all can amen this loud. The fivefold ministry needs unity. It's time that the apostle stops being jealous of the prophet and the prophet jealous of the teacher and the teacher jealous of the evangelist and the evangelist jealous of the pastor. It's time we work together in unity because when the fivefold ministry is going to come together in unity, we're going to see the maturing of the saints. Then we're going to see the miracle signs and wonders that God spoke about. But as long as there's disunity and discard, there'll never be. They'll never be. That's why we'll see some people get healed, some don't. I'm ready to see revival come like it did in the, in the, in the New Testament in Acts. They were unified, and when people unified, we saw miracles. You know, I'm not going to try and play the, the, the role of the apostle and, and try and govern the church. And I'm not going to try and, you know, play the role of the prophet that guides. 
I'm going to play the role of the evangelist. That's the long finger. He sticks out. He always gathers a crowd. You know, and, and, and the ring finger's the pastor. He's married to the church. He guards the, the, the sheep. And then the teacher grounds. He grounds them. Brings balance to the whole body. That way when they know they hear something that ain't right, they're like, oh, teacher, that's not right. Then the apostle comes and sets it in order. He governs it. But now we have board members who, a lot of them are not even Christians that are governing a church. Some of them are drunks. Not in this church. Not any church on the bayou. Talking about them churches up north. No no churches down here would do something like that. We we got boards that can't even unify together on what a Christian life is. And they're the ones that's governing the things, the, the church. I mean, where's the apostle? Where God gave the fivefold ministry as a government to effectively mature the saints. Number ten. Wow, we, we're not too bad. Not too bad. Ministry is design is growth. Ministry is growth. Growth. And they took up the twelve baskets full of fragments and the fish. Verse forty-four. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Ministry is designed to grow. You know, I'm not big into numbers, but the people who are in our ministry are big into numbers. But you know what God told me? He says, numbers is good because it's a reference point. It's a reference point of where you are and what you're doing. You know, and they had 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. You know, so don't rule out numbers completely. You know, if we cannot get what, what the, this is in ministry in single fold, how are we going to understand it in fivefold? How are we going to understand it in fivefold? But I'm here to let every one of you know, each one of you is called to be a missionary. That's, that scares you. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's remove that. that. I just got the resistance. Each one of you in here is called to be an ambassador for a kingdom that has a king that's ruling it. His name's King Jesus, and he's called you to be his representative on earth. How are you representing his kingdom on earth? You know, if I, if I go work for an insurance agent, and, and the, the name of the insurance is State Form, and I show up, and all I do is talk about Allstate, am I representing... State form the way I should be? Are you representing the kingdom the way you should be representing the kingdom? Because this is not talking about an income at stake or a 401k at stake. This is talking about a life that could be lost in eternity forever. That's real. That's serious. That's serious. You know, the three that passed last weekend, over the weekend, man, my, my, my heart sank thinking, where were they in eternity? Where are they? You know, how was, the, how was their life when they passed away? So young, so tragic. You know, but it's appointed to man once to die. Then you stand before God and give an account of your life. And if you say you are representative of him, you're going to be standing in that office with you and him. You ain't going to have your wife. You ain't going to have this one. You ain't going to have Pastor Scott, Pastor Scott. You ain't going to have me. 
It's you and God. And he's going to say, you said you were a Christian. Now give an account of your Christianity to me. That's scary. That's scary. What are you going to do in that day? What are you going to say to God in that day? I think of that all the time, Pastor. What am I going to say? <laughs> you know, I think the only thing I'll do is fall down and say, I'm not worthy, but the blood of Jesus is. I'm not worthy. That's why I cling to the blood like I did. I'm not worthy, but he was. I was such a failure, but he wasn't. 